Welcome to the Limitless Life Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Smith, and with me today is a longtime friend and brother in suffering, Sean Caron. Sean, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for being here. I'm excited to be here. This is awesome. Congrats on getting this going. Thank you very much, and thank you very much for coming along. And uh, something I want to do at the beginning of every podcast is I want to acknowledge the person uh, that I'm interviewing with you know, something that is a way that they have impacted me directly, which I'm not sure how many episodes I'll go through, but I'll do my best to find it. So anyways, <laughs> Sean, my man, I just want to say thank you for uh, pushing me into doing the world stuff of Smutter. You were politely persistent. And uh, it was probably, I would say, safe bet six months of... Uh, Hey, Kyle, did you sign up for the World's Toughest Mutter yet? And this is in Las Vegas. For anyone that doesn't know, uh, the World's Toughest Mutter is a 24-hour race, 40 obstacles. What's the diff- distance usually? Uh, the course is five miles, so eight kilometers. And they, I think they range 20 to 25-ish main obstacles. And then they have the penalty ones, which kind of it blurs the lines on how many you end up doing. Uh, and then you have 24, 24 hours to run that loop as many times as you possibly can. Nice. So with that, I actually, I was telling Kendra about this, like literally earlier today, but I reference, I referenced my life to a point of before toughest mutter and after toughest mutter and yep. at the, the right sequence of events just lapped. And then I, like the shenanigans that was going on in my life at that point, I can see where the different, the focus happened. It was after Toughest Mudder where I really wanted to dial my own shit in. And that's where, that's where through the discomfort of doing something, and I never trained for it. I've done Tough Mudders, but I've never done that distance before. That was the first time I've ever done that distance and that kind of an event, and it was disgusting. But the thing that it showed me, that discomfort, it showed me, uh, it, it, I, I came up with this philosophy of breaking down the body to build the mind back up. And mm-hmm. I would not have been able to learn that lesson, and I thank you greatly for where I'm at now because I contribute so much of now to that point I appreciate that man yeah I mean I can remember I think it was probably in 24 yeah 2014 just like picking your brain or no 2015 because I'd done it 20 2015 was my first year doing it and then I was like after that I was like Kyle needs to do this with me like he got me into Tough Mudder this is like a full circle thing and just like every couple months like have you signed up for that hey come out do a a workout with me you know I mean you did train you did burp we did a burpee mile and I think that's a very uh that was a good training day on, Hey, okay. That took us over two hours. Oh, that's about a lap at world's toughest. <laughs> that's so How funny. do you feel good? And you just do it again. <laughs> yeah. On, on that note, I'm also going to list off uh, some of your accolades cause you absolutely crushed it. So you did four world's toughest mutters. That's disgusting in itself. Your longest distance was 80 miles, 215 combined miles and around 950 obstacles completed combined. So that's just the world's toughest mutter. Then You've also ran 3,000 kilometers in 2021, ran 2,500 kilometers in 2020, uh, completed the River Valley Revenge, which is a 100K ultra in, oh, okay, there we go. A 100K ultra in 2018, you completed Sinister 7, 100 miler in 2019, you ran one backyard ultra because, you know, there's no sense in actually going and running for distance. You might as well do circles in your backyard for an ultra. You know what I mean? And then you completed nine yards for 65 kilometers and one burpee mile with me, my man. <laughs> so a lot of fun. Absolutely. So I got a, I got a, this is a question that I think is a really interesting one for you. And I think you'll probably have a lot of fun with it, but what, compels you to show yourself so much love (laughs) (laughs) show yourself so much love that's an interesting way to put it (laughs) um yeah i think you know it's a slow trickle into it i think anyone that starts to get into the endurance events or 
just doing things for a long time. Um, I don't know too many people that think of doing that right off the get-go. It's kind of just, you start to push yourself and you, you hit one milestone and you hit and then you're okay, well, I'm not destroyed. Maybe I can go further. Maybe I can do a little bit more. And it, I mean, it started in 2013 with, with, with you getting me to do a Tough Mudder, which um, at that point was way out of my comfort zone seeing the commercials or any previews you watch videos on youtube there's people getting electrocuted there's fire there's mud there's all this hard stuff um and it started with that like it started with that and i remember everest the first time doing everest not being able to get up because you know it's probably my footwear was horrible i was wearing water shoes like an idiot <laughs> and i couldn't get any traction going up that thing and you basically had to bicep curl me up that thing but i got up it and that was like, okay, I was terrified of that obstacle, pulling myself up and like finishing that day was like, okay, I want to do this next year, but I want to be better at it. And then like the next year, trained, trained smarter, did way more pull-ups, ran a lot more, started to love running from there. And then, you know, that, that year that we went uh, was, you know, we was crushing the obstacles. And at the end of it, you know, my legs felt pretty good where I was like, maybe I could do another lap. And as Tough Mudder's smart marketing, they had World's Toughest Mudder at a sign up there at Whistler. And my head was like, well, maybe, maybe I could do that. Maybe I could do that next year. And 2015 was that pivotal year for me. It's like doing your world's, your first world was pivotal for you. That was, 2015 was a very defining year for me because of World's Toughest, because of, the impact that that event, that 24 hours had on me and still has on me, because I always ref refer to it back. I always think about some of those really impactful moments I had during that night, that cold night out in, in the desert and how it's defined me and how it kind of broke some shackles off my limits, off my, men my whole mentality on like kind of going through life and going through obstacles and kind of pushing yourself out of your comfort zone and it's you know I try to be mindful of it so I don't get complacent but uh I think that kind of answers the question a little bit <laughs> it's a slow yeah. tiptoe in um and just kind of loved it more and kind of always just want to find a challenge for myself uh it was a lot of it was really physical for a lot of years I've really worked on the mental side of it and then just doing other other big challenges um but but I kind of tackle it now in the same way I would a physical challenge so I got, I got a question for that as well. Do you think, cause I, I imagine that's not just the running, but I believe, I believe, cause I think it, it could be getting out of the physical, the physical aspect of it, like get, doing some form of physical activity that is difficult, uh, is that provides a discomfort that's manageable. I think that's where a lot of folks change. So I imagine that it's the discomfort that, really gets that change going and not the running right so if someone wanted to lift weights instead it would probably be fairly would you say that's probably accurate oh yeah it's soon as you kind of feel that you kind of hit that physical wall that little physical wall where your mind starts to go like i don't know if i can do this it's tough that's once you hit that point you're in i think a really good spot and you can get to that spot in different ways and in relationships, you can be pushed into that way. Um, your, your career, your work can push you into that, can get you into that pocket. But um, it's kind of learning to, when you get into that, to not immediately back away and, and run away from it. It's to, to really sit in it and be like, I'm in this spot. This is actually a good thing for me. I know it sucks right now, but <clears throat> there's going to be some benefit coming later from this. Whether whatever happens, whether it's a positive or negative thing, there's going to be some learning and there's going to be some growth from it no matter what. So that's kind of something I think I've taken from starting on a physical thing with more, more or less running. Running, I kind of use that metaphor a lot where it's like, okay, yeah, you can run 100 miles, you can face kind of really almost any challenge that comes your way. You just have to get in the right mind frame. Yeah. So <clears throat> with a, <laughs> with that as well. So I want, I'm thinking like, uh, difficulties is always fun because there's a lot of folks, uh, that like to, it's, it's a survival bias. 
So it's like, oh, that person's obviously built for that. So I can't do that. So for example, I imagine that there's some folks that could be thinking, oh, this Sean guy, he probably, he probably has the body that's built for running. Like, oh, just absolutely. Like he must be, he must be a running prodigy because he is covering so much distance. And um, yeah, you're certainly not a running outlier in my opinion. (laughs) So um, correct, correct me if I'm wrong. You're like, you're over six foot, you're over 200. Uh, and you got muscle, you got muscle. Yeah. Uh, called the Clydesdale. That's, uh, 200 pounds. You're a Clydesdale runner. You're a heavyweight. Yeah. You know, I'm like six, three, uh, I think I'm around like 215 right now. Um, I've always, kind of been around that 200 to 215 mark um i feel like that's kind of like a healthy spot for me to be in but i i i don't think i look like that you know stereotypical runner like tall lean uh that can go long distance and uh with that you know people have always kind of mentioned or or say like oh you're it's gonna be hard on your joints you're big you're you're a bigger person you're a bigger guy like so i've kind of learned over the years on running as efficient as possible and trying to do as much learning as I can, watching videos, um, listening to podcasts on runners, on, on gates, stride, um, on trying to always have kind of a mantra of like, act like you're running on a cloud, like be as light as you can bounce off a cloud so you won't sink through. Um, and I, I feel it's allowed me to do some, you know, pretty long distances, get some pretty large numbers of <clears throat> kilometers, you know, done without any, you know, severe injuries. I've had a couple stress fractures come my way um, here or there, but uh, as far as like knee problems, don't get knee problems yet, <laughs> yet, on knock yeah. on that. Um, you know, I get some muscle tightness. So, but muscle is something you can work through, you can maintenance that. Um, it's the joints and your, you know, in your knees, you want to try and <clears throat> withstand as much damage as possible. And I feel like I've done a pretty good job at that. So I definitely don't, look like a runner but i also think that that is a reminder that you don't have to look like a runner to be a runner if you go out there and run a kilometer you're a runner if you go out there and run 500 meters you're a runner if you go out there and run 50k you're a runner it's like you get out there and do it you're a runner there's no body type or there's no like person you have to be you don't have to look like a certain way just get out there and and get after it and enjoy it i totally agree with that Kind of a neat question. Uh, I imagine, I imagine Sinister Sevens or any of the toughest mutters would <clears throat> probably be the best kind of thoughts for this particular question. But um, what has been, and it's a little bit more uh, philosophical, what has been a gift discomfort has given you? That is a great question. Um, the gift of discomfort. It, I mean, a, it lets you really enjoy times where you're not in pain. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it, in times where you're uh, like before the race or like after a few days after, you really enjoy like, wow, I feel a lot better now. Um, that's like usually the first immediate gift. Uh, but I think what the like the biggest gift is just knowing you can push yourself and you find a new limit, and then you survived it and not only do you survive it you came out of it like pretty unscathed your muscles are sore but that's pretty natural maybe you have a couple you know bumps bruises scratches cuts but there's no like big injuries and you're able to you know within a few days you're kind of back to normal and then you get that thing going to head you're like okay well i just did that and i was like very tough what else can i do and then another kind of what I alluded to before is like when other problems come your way the gift you have is like well you know you can do hard shit because you did that so you can apply that to different things it may not be a physical challenge it may be a mental uh something with your work something with your relationships but you can tackle it the same because you've been able to figure out how to do something that a lot of people think is like insane or impossible or I don't know how you would do that it's like well anyone can you just have to really put your mindset to it and not let any distractions or obstacles or setbacks uh, derail you too much from 
accomplishing a goal. So I think the gift that discomfort gives is takes another shackle off or it takes another shelf off on your limit and you you just increased it one more shelf or one more block. <clears throat> I uh, refer to a lot of my running endurance <clears throat> whenever I've done another big feed or another long run, it's uh, you're adding another block on your endurance and there's like, there's really no cap on it. You're just continually building a block and that just lets you know you can go a little bit further the next time. And it's ever and it's never ending because you can always build on it. You can lose it really quick, but you can, and then you just get back to building it again. So you're just, you're always kind of building this block of endurance, whether it's mental or physical. I think that's pretty sweet. Yeah. Uh, so, so a book, a book that I read at the beginning of last year, because even though we're three days into the new year, <clears throat> was uh, that really started like uh, tr- helping me challenge my own thinking. Cause I think that uh, we may not, maybe we are not ready for a physical challenge, but I believe that we have the capacity to challenge our thinking rather than affirming our thoughts. And I'm working on, I have a, I have a framework that I just kind of created for the year. It's called the big idea framework An idea is an acronym for intentional discussion, elimination, automation. So it's going to be intentional, actively participating in the thought, discussion, actively challenging the thought, elimination, decreasing the cognitive load, and then automation where the conscious becomes unconscious. Ooh. Not bad, eh? So that's pretty good. Yeah. I'm I'm trying so I'm <laughs> trying to pro I'm trying to organize like I'm trying to create a mental exercise that's for constructive thinking. Uh so like some for I, I find that a majority of folks it starts with the physical, like uh, going into like the physical activity. And then the mind changes as we be the person it takes to get what we want, which is a neat little philosophical way of going about it too. But I'm trying to come up with the mental component to it. It's like, how could I actually dial the mental component in before the physical component is? So that's, that's why I'm kind of going with that. But anyways, the book that the book that I read that kind of like started with this whole idea and then also like uh, overcoming the opposition where so I titled the framework as uh, the the big idea framework for getting your brain to work with you rather than against you. Nice. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, this, this is going to be <laughs> sweet. Uh, and so the book Comfort Crisis is mm. what really started getting the thought process like how far can we actually organize our mind how like mindful can be we be how intentional can we be um and that's like when you're running or an exercise it's the flow state right it's where how can we find ourselves in the environment or in the space to like really uh think and i think in the discomfort uh that's where we really find clarity on what we want to accomplish and our intention um do you believe, do you think, what are your thoughts on this? What are your thoughts on the world being in a comfort crisis? Yeah, I think uh, for a good chunk, you know, good majority of the world, probably maybe scratch out a million people, not included, but everyone that's living in, fortunate enough to live in a modernized Western you know, world where you're basically, your basic needs are, are kind of met. Uh, yeah, I think there is that comfort crisis. Um, I think we got a good hit of that uh, through the last couple of years of COVID because um, a lot of, all of us were throwing a lot of curveballs, and <clears throat> you kind of saw how people reacted and, and a lot of people didn't react in a very, you know, very good way. Um, they, you know, a lot of people really struggled. And I mean, I'm not just saying it's because they live in a comfort uh too too comfy for that because there's a lot of mental health issues that was going on with it but i think it, it you know really hit that nail that a lot of people are living very comfortably and they're not pushing themselves out of that comfort zone as much as they should be and when life kind of throws that at you they're not ready to deal with any discomfort because they haven't had to um so they don't know how to mentally deal with it. They don't know how to physically deal with it. And I think there are a lot of people who could get a lot of use and find a lot of positive 
outcomes. There's a lot of positivity from just dipping themselves in a little discomfort, you know, maybe once a week or every couple of days you do something that's a little difficult. Maybe that's, you know, instead of if you're watching TV, maybe instead of sitting down all the time, maybe you start at every commercial break, you get up and you do like deep squat. And that's something that I've started to do. So that if if I'm watching TV, I want to, you know, okay, every commercial break or every X amount of minutes, just going to deep squat, open the back up, open, you know, the hips up a little bit, keep them from getting tight. It sucks for me right now. Uh, That area for me is very tight. So it's like, it's very, just very uncomfortable, but at least then I'm like kind of doing something that's very small, but that's like one thing people can pick while they're doing something that they still want to be doing. It's like, okay, well, every now and then while you're doing that, do something that's a little out of your comfort zone. Then at least you start to kind of train the, train the brain. And maybe after a while, all of a sudden you can hold the squat for five minutes and then you can hold the squat for seven minutes. And you just, it's like that tiptoe. You just kind of slowly start to tiptoe and hopefully maybe then you're doing more and you're seeing the positive outcome from it. And you're like, okay, maybe that can get people started to venture into more dis- more uncomfortable things but I think they're I think you're right and I think that book um, I haven't read the book but I watched uh, watched a few podcasts with uh, the author and he I think he hits a lot of points and and they're all very valid that for us that are fortunate to be like I said have all all of our basic needs met um, yeah yeah, we're definitely living in a comfort crisis totally so uh, something I think is kind of cool because with you not being built quote unquote built as a runner uh and and then just going into running as your uh sport of choice yeah we'll go sport of choice because it is a sport um yep did you have to temper your patience so people want to start things and get really good at things as fast as possible uh did you have to temper your patience and how did you temper your patience? Was there any sort of a framework, a little mental trick, or what's some, some things that you used in that way to temper patience? It's uh, probably one of the most frustrating things about uh, getting into endurance. If you are someone who is thinking about it, wants to, you know, and endurance can go in a lot of different ways. Maybe it's, you want to run your first half marathon or marathon, you know, those, those are venturing into that. There's unfortunately no shortcuts to it. Um, I, I tried that. I, uh, when I was training for my first world's toughest, I went out to do a long training run and it was, I was like, Hey, I'm doing a marathon distance today. Never done it before. Up until that point, I was doing a good thing of increasing my distance about 10% every week. So I was slowly getting in and the run before that I did 32 K and it was like, I felt good. So I was like, you know, what? it's another 10 K. Well, back can it be. I never experienced a bonk, the runner's bonk before hitting the wall that every marathoner knows too well. And all I, I literally did not even bring a water, like I didn't bring a water bottle with me. Like I brought nothing. I ate a lot of food. I drank a lot of water <clears throat> beforehand. I was like, I'm good. Go out. Let's just get it. And when I bonked, I bonked so hard. And I like going down the stairs by the talus balls in Edmonton oh yeah I was going down those stairs and my legs just gave out and I was on like the middle platform and like I I guess I'll stretch I guess this is a uh, my body saying it needs a a timeout and I was hurting and I had like I had 10k to go until my place like there was no there's no like if it was either walking or running uh Uber wasn't there yet (laughs) couldn't couldn't even just like ditch and just like call an Uber. Uber wasn't around quite yet. Um, so that last 10K was, was just brutal. Like I was licking my hands to get salt. That's how bad I was in the, the hurt locker. Um, so I learned that day. It's like, you can't jump when there's, when you read, okay, the best thing to do is increase your distance, increase this a little bit at a time. That'll get you to the point you need to be, um, you, you just, you have to be patient. You have to trust the process because if you don't, your body will let you know you screwed up and it's going to suck. And if you're like 10 K away, like I was, that 10 K is going to not be enjoyable, but you're going to learn from it and you're going to learn what it's, what it feels like. So 
at least you know you can say you can do 10k in a pretty brutal state of mind physically and mentally so, <laughs> what if you can recall like do you what was your internal dialogue on that last 10k like after your stretch what was that oh just it hurt to run like running was horrible so it was like in my head it was like I could, like easiest thing to do is just walk but I didn't want to be out there for another hour plus two hours potentially I was like I'm so hungry <laughs> I'm so thirsty if I just run like it's gonna suck but it's gonna be faster so let's just run as long as I can and then when I have to walk I'll walk for like a minute or two so it was basically like run for maybe like three four minutes walk for like one or two minutes run another three or so minutes walk until the my quads didn't hurt anymore um and just had to repeat that and I I had unfortunately had to learn that lesson a few times <laughs> as I was getting the distance up and starting to run a lot more um but then I used that kind of stuff to my advantage um the year I I finished Sinister Seven I started to kind of intentionally put myself in a really bad <laughs> mental physical state um I, I got creative I was like hey like how am I gonna try and replicate the last 50k of this race without actually running 110 kilometers I was like well I'll be tired I'll be dehydrated and I'll feel like shit I was like well I, those three things happen when I have a hangover so I intentionally got very intoxicated one night I don't know if this probably a lot to their You're trainers good. nutritionists probably like what but like this is just this is going on in my head of like how do I put myself in the pain cave without putting myself in the pain cave <laughs> so I got really drunk one night and then the next morning went out and ran 50k it sucked it was brutal that's so funny and it was a very long day but i did that and then after that, i was like wow okay that's cool hopefully i can dip into that <laughs> and during sinister and so i can be like hey you got this remember when you ran 50k like after you were loaded you're fine you're basically at the same state <laughs> <laughs> I, I use, I, I like using that uh, kind of reference point. I, I like using reference points to compare the present day difficulty. I think, I think people reflect on like the past and stuff and try to bring the shitty shit into the present. And that I think um, is working in reverse. I think someone should look to the past to say, holy shit, I did get through that. So I can get through this easily. So I think yeah. like that reference point, having a past reference point makes it a lot easier to go into things that are more difficult. It's like, oh, you know what? I could, I could probably crank this out. On the note of you running in ridiculous uh, conditions, what's the coldest you've ever ran? Mm. Ish. Yeah, I definitely, definitely have done a few runs where it's getting close to minus 40, probably minus 40 with the wind. Um, during when I when I was doing the three thousand k in twenty twenty one, like you you have to run, now pretty much daily or every other day, and then you got to make up for that day. It was basically like eight, just over eight and a half k a day. I mean eight point six something k a day. You have to run every day to get three thousand k. So if I didn't run one day, that means I was down. Sit like my next run had to be sixteen k to keep up with it, or I would do long runs once a week, usually on Sunday, that would be between like 21 to 40 plus K. And then I would have some K's in the, in the bank. <laughs> mm -hmm. So then maybe I could, if there was like a brutally cold day, it's like, well, okay, I banked these days, I banked these kilometers. I can take these days off and then get back at it the next day or like when it warms up. But no, yeah, I've definitely done the minus, 37 i know for sure like minus 35 this last cold snap we had um i went out in it i was just frustrated my car battery died twice and i wanted to get a run in so it's like screw this layer up and then just get it go <laughs> That's crazy. so got 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 a question on that one for you <clears throat> so and that was 20 2021 that was the 3k right 3k in one year yeah was that correct um yep so kind of got a two-parter on this one, or I might have a two-parter. First part, how, 
how how uh how vital do you think clarity of an outcome is when pursuing something so i'm sure you don't i'm sure like you don't just run just to run like i don't just work out just to work out like my my reasoning for it my intention for it is longevity and i find that most people have like some sort of an intention behind it and when there's intention and when there's inc- when there's clarity then everything else is just it's just like do you want to do it or not and I like having this cool, this cool way of thinking of it is like, let's say, you, so let's say it was the 3k goal. It's either you do more or want less. Yeah. So you put in the effort because skill acquisition or just like getting things done is time times volume. So the duration of time plus the, or times the, or uh, the the total amount of time allocated with volume. So across the board, we're just doing it a lot. So yeah, how, how important is clarity for accomplishing a goal? Let's go with that one first. Uh, you know, I think for, I mean, for clarity, I think you have to be, you know, when you're setting goals, yeah, I think you have to have intention behind them. You know, A, is it, is it realistic? Is this a realistic goal you're trying to attain? Maybe they can be not realistic now, but it's like a five-year goal. So you're inching towards that. And then you do that check-in every year. If I, am I close to do it? Is this attainable? I think for stuff that was shorter term, like, you know, it's this is one year. I know what I have to do. You just have to go out and do it. That's very clear because it's like very cut and dry. You break it down to the day. This is what I need to run per day to get this goal. Do I want to finish on day 365? I didn't. I wanted to finish earlier. I had a goal of like, I wanted to have the last two weeks to celebrate, you know, celebrate, not really celebrate, but just like give my body some time to a couple weeks to relax. Um, It could be cold. (laughs) I was thinking that too. I was like, you know, mid-December, usually we get one blast of, of cold before Christmas. And like this year we did. So like, if I can avoid that, sweet because i've you know would rather end on maybe a minus five day than a minus 30 so there was that clarity uh and then the clarity came in the discipline that it kind of evolved with me because it you know when you do when you set a goal kind of like that and you know this could be any kind of goal like you know if it's something that you want to do in a whole and in one year time you have 365 days to do it whatever the case may be, you break it down to like the smallest bit as you can of like, okay, now it's attainable because like 3000 K is a large number. So when you're thinking of that January 1st, you're like, all right, what do I even want to run today? So I want to run eight. Do I just want to do the bare minimum? Do I want to run 10? Like how do I want to structure it? And sometimes I just went out and ran just like, I just want to enjoy it. I wanted to, one thing I wanted to make sure I did was enjoy most of it, like the vast majority. So I knew there would be definitely some days where you didn't want to do it at all. And I think that happens with all of us working, working out, you're trying to keep fit. You're, you know, we all kind of hit those periods where our motivation is very low. And I think what it really taught me was the discipline of like consistency breeds success. And that can now spill into a lot of different parts of my life because knowing you can, knowing you can stick to something for a year when, you know, you can get sick, there's vacations, there's curveballs, there's injuries, there's stuff that can, that can derail you, but it's like figuring out how to get back on track and figuring out that plan to still finish it. I think it uh, really kind of helps you just, again, it's another, thing on the shelf of like it's another big thing I just did that was difficult and it was long and it was like that you weren't going to finish this in a couple months this is going to take a long time to do this and uh the feeling of accomplishment it was just like no I didn't really celebrate I was just like cool I did it awesome (laughs) check (laughs) yeah Um, but the clarity came the clarity came from I think the discipline that it that it taught me every day (laughs) yeah I think, I think that's super, I think that's really cool. Um, I'm curious because you've actually like, I, I find, so there's obviously like three month goals, one month goal, 
uh, six month goal, <clears throat> I find that kind of similar to uh, just previous goals. I find that when it comes to a challenge, like yourself doing 3k in one year or me not drinking for one year, I find that there is no duration of time less than that. That's worthwhile. And I found that found that for myself. So I'm kind of like, well, shit, now everything that I do has to be, well, it doesn't have to be, but it feels like I'm drawn closer to like, um, just set it for a year, just say one year, just, just one year of doing this one thing and see what happens. But now I'm like, what can I do for like a hundred of anything? Or like a hundred days. I'm doing a hundred podcast. I'm doing a hundred recordings or a hundred podcasts in a hundred days. But that's my first time where I'm doing a duration of time where it has to do with a professional goal rather than a physical goal. And I think that's a. I think it's. It was just an interesting observation that I had in the last like week or so. Yeah. Yeah. No, I. I mean, tackling it's going to be the same thing, right? Because you're gonna, you know, to do it a hundred days straight there's going to be curveballs. There's going to be obstacles that you get hit with of, Oh no, the internet went down. How am I going to record my podcast today? Or, Oh, I'm not feeling great. I don't want to record today. Oh, like there's going to be so many other variables that try to deter you and pull you away from it. And it's like, can you stay consistent? And actually um, something that just happened to me with my, my job, um, I can probably think me doing this, that run 3000 K in one year. Um, I got recently promoted and to get the promotion. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> um, and to get the promotion, I had to, it was kind of the same thing. I was a, a shorter time frame. It was one month. I had to perform hit X amount of meetings and X amount of uh, volume of calls basically per week. So I had five days to get 10 meetings and then 150 calls. And I had to do that for four weeks straight or four week average to get the promotion. And it took a little bit, it took me and it ended up taking me two months, but it was like, you had to get consistent. And, you know, looking at the big number was daunting. And I just did the same thing. I was just like, hey, what do I have to do every day? Every day, set two meetings, do X amount of calls, get 30 calls. So it's like, some days were higher, some days were lower but it was just like hit that average and you just go through that kind of roller coaster up and down. Some days you feel like you're crushing it and you're like, Oh, I can do it. This is no problem. And then other days you're like, you're not feeling motivated. This, there's no drive. And you're just like, what's the goal? It's this. Okay. Yeah. I have to meet. Then I know what I have to do. And like, whatever you have to do to get it done, it's like, but you have to be, you have to be conscious of it and you have to, you have to be the driver of your motivation. You can't seek it somewhere else because mm -hmm. it's only going to last for like a second. You know, it's, it's going to be brief and it's going to go away. You know, you know, sometimes I'm about to go for a run and I'm kind of dilly dallying and, you know, just not consciously doing it, but unconsciously like sipping my coffee a little longer, maybe doing a stretch. Oh, I'm just like deliberately not sure what I want to wear. Cause I'm just like prolonging this. And then, you know, you look at, open it up and there's David Goggins screaming at you about why you should get after you. Like, All right. <laughs> but it, totally. it, that that's not going to last, right? That, that, that'll last for a second, but like, he's not going to like people like that aren't going to motivate you to do the whole thing yourself. Like you got to find it in within you. You got to find the discipline to keep the motivation when you aren't feeling it. So that's like the discipline breeds that because you just like, when you're feeling good, when you're feeling great, you're loving it. And it's like, I wish I should enjoy this because it's not going to last. And then when you're in the shit, also be conscious of it. Maybe you're not enjoying it, but be present. You know what? I'm not feeling it today. That's fine, but I'm still going to get it done and it's going to suck, but that's okay. And I'm okay with that because I, got I know what the goal is. <clears throat> Uh, one takeaway that you mentioned that I want to touch on, because I think it's really cool and really important is uh, the tactic of, and I just call it tactics, systems, frameworks. It's a, whatever, it's a thing. 
Um, but the takeaway that the takeaway that I want to pull out of what you just said there that I think is really cool is um, uh, basically taking the the thing that seems daunting and then turning it into bite sized pieces. And I, I I truly think like this is a cool. I like in our brains there is no there is only right now right and then we either bring the past into the present or we're just forecasting our present into our future like we're thinking about the future right yeah so i think i think um i think when we are able to take that big daunting thing and then break it up into what can we do in the present and then when tomorrow comes around if tomorrow comes around then we think what can we do today in the present and I think chopping it down to those bite-sized daily activities, uh, even if it's just one activity like running, or maybe it's like one activity of making a post, an article, a podcast episode, uh, a video, it could be anything, right? I think if, I think by taking those, taking those bite-sized chunks, it helps so much with such an intimidating kind of goal and you're able to like calm yourself down and just do it little by little which also takes patience that's for damn sure but it makes it makes it seem a lot simpler to do i did the math for 100 podcasts in 100 days and i have to do 8.3 repeated i'm just joking eight eight podcasts per week for me to be able to crank out 100 uh, and i think i only put that on a couple of days i didn't put it as one per day i didn't put uh, 100 days so i just went per week but uh having knowing that there's eight like i got you today and then i have another podcast later on this week freaking solid but i have to intentionally make sure that i'm asking folks hey would you be interested in this podcast episode i think that you have a lot to contribute and blah 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 and then bring them in but there's still that intention to keep on doing it and have that patience to do it right um what was the other thing that you said there that i thought was really cool I'm not hundred percent sure. I'm not hundred percent sure, but, but, uh, yeah, I thought that was a really, I thought that was a really good takeaway. What was it that you ended with before I started talking? Cause I think that I had a pretty decent point, but I forgot what it was. Uh, I was talking about motivation and drive and oh, right. I remember be, now you, you have to create your motivation. I'm going to, I'm going to go with my framework on, on the idea of motivation as well. Cause then it's cool seeing like two different perspectives of the motivation component and mine, mine also works with discipline and everything like that. But, uh, what I like to do is I like to, this is going to sound super weird, but we can feel our feelings, but also look at them objectively. So a feeling is neither good nor bad. If we do not connect a morality to a feeling, then the feeling just is, we're just feeling something it's yeah. So we can have the stimulus, then we have a feeling. And then that feeling is based off of the story we tell ourselves about that thing. Most more often than not motivation is a feeling It is under the category of feeling. I don't know why we prioritize such a feeling. Why don't we, why don't we prioritize despair that freaking hard? People would be crushing it nowadays, which is yeah. kind of a funny thought. <laughs> That's dark. But um, I, I, like to, I like to use this as an exercise where uh, I, I try to separate like the facts from the feelings. There's the dichotomy of facts and feelings. And I look at a majority of feelings. I don't trust them. And the reason why I don't trust my feelings, even if it's happiness, because I'm like, why is it that I'm happy? So I like asking myself the question about it. But the reason why I don't trust feelings is because they are flaky. They don't have my best interests at heart. It has my baseline interest at heart, which is survival. And I like to view motivation as a flaky friend. Uh, motivation is the flaky friend that is great when that friend shows up, but they're not so likely to help you out when it comes to moving day. You know, it's like, they're nice when they're around, but when they're not around, it's like, yeah, okay. But we, but we depend on that flaky friend to fulfill our, whatever our desire, our need to accomplish things. And I, I like to think that whatever we depend on makes the rules. If we're depending on a feeling, a flaky feeling, a flaky friend to be able to make progress. And I like to put it as our health, wealth, 
um, health, wealth, relationships, and happiness. I like thinking of it in that kind of a matrix. Uh, and so I find it, I find motivation. I, I, I always associate motivation with that flaky friend where it's nice when they're around. So when I'm motivated, I use it. I do not waste it. I'm not saying motivation is bad by any means, but it's definitely not trustworthy. <laughs> nope. <clears throat> Absolutely not. Cause there's that day where like you have something maybe marked on the calendar and every day leading up to it, you're like, yep, it's happening. Give me no problem. We're getting it done. Day day happens, and all of a sudden, you're not feeling it. It's gone. Motivation left you, and you're like, oh, I have to do this. Uh, I want to now. Oh, maybe I won't. It's okay if I don't. Where it's like the drive. Drive is what keeps you going on that level because the drive will be like, yeah, drive is the consistent one because it's there if you have if you have it. it the motivation will go up and down on it but you won't waver on it and like yeah when you're motivated that's why hey i'm feeling really motivated motivated today you're right it's feeling and you're like yep this workout's gonna be easy no problem da, da, da. like do it it's the day that you don't want to do it and that's like the most important day to go out and run and i think i don't know if it was goggins or someone that had mentioned that it's like it's not about the days you want to it's the days you don't and that's what defines how you're, you know, if you're going to hit that goal or not. It's like, cause yeah, it's easy when motivation's there. You're feeling it. Your muscles are working good. Your brain's working good. Whatever it is, like, I'm writing. If it's a writing goal, oh, I'm writing like ten pages today. And then there's a day it's like you, it's a struggle to write to write one. And that's, and that's what the drive. That's what creating a strong drive brings because it's going to get you out of the bed when you don't want to. And when you just like know you have to do something, you just don't let that waver. You just like, whatever, I'm just going to get it done. I think I like thinking of going robot mode. It's like, don't think, just do it. Just like, just like relax everything or not relax everything, but just like, don't think. Funny you, funny you mentioned robot mode. I, uh, that is a, a mantra that I do bring with me on, I brought it on me during like Sinister, some of the longer ultras I've done, uh, when things start to hurt and things aren't getting enjoyable, I kind of like, I am a machine. I don't feel, it's just go, just go, turn off the feeling, turn off the pain, just get it done. One step, one foot, it's all it takes. Just keep moving, keep moving. Okay. I got a cool question kind of ties into a couple of things. So if you were to explain to a 12 year old child, how to separate the facts from the feelings, like how to, yeah, how to separate the facts and the feelings. What, what would you say? Cause I, I find, I know that I understand that there's for like context of where this question came from. There's a lot of people that are defined by how they feel <clears throat> rather than defining the feeling. That sounded pretty cool. So I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to, there's a YouTube clip right there, but yeah, uh, yeah they, 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 they're defined by the feeling rather than defining the feeling. And I, but pre pre world's toughest mire <laughs> WTM pre WTM. This is my timeline. This is my timeline. You know, there's BC, there's AD, same, same. So uh, before that point, I had horrible emotional regulation. I wouldn't say horrible. I was pretty decent. Like I was, I was certainly not like off the rails, like many other individuals. So I guess like, I guess I'm being hard on myself, but I think looking back, we're usually a lot tougher on ourselves than, we really need to be yep which is really important to give ourselves some grace period i suppose but uh it wasn't until after that point where and i totally believe that the the discomfort uh really helped with um dialing in that kind of vibe and i will i will definitely admit there's probably a little bit of like the psychedelics in there that also helped with that like little bit of the separation from the ego and 
everything that goes along with that. Cause I really, really enjoy like everything that's happening with, uh, like the combination of therapy and like MDMA, psilocybin, LSD, like, uh, Michael Pollan on Netflix, uh, change your mind. That is Amazing. really freaking cool. So I'm, I'm very curious about what could happen because I could say for my own experience that I was able to really separate the facts from the feelings. So I guess without in, in let's say hypothetically psilocybin did not exist and that was not an option. What do you think? What do you think would, what's your take on that? What do you think would be a cool tactic or tool or maybe even question what mental framework would you give a 12 year old when it comes to the facts and the feelings? That is such a long drawn out question, but yeah. Uh, you know, I think trying to teach the, the, the power of consistency, hmm. I think that would put the fact to the feeling. And the only, I mean, when you asked me that, I was like, just thinking of 12 year old me, I played hockey. So I played organized hockey for my whole childhood, basically. And, you know, if it taught anything, it was like, there's, there's stuff that's going to be happening throughout your week that is going to be happening. You know, your Saturday morning, you're not sleeping in, you're getting up at 5am to go to Fort Saskatchewan for a practice or Josephberg for people in Alberta, you know, where that is. <laughs> you're going to Moyer, Mondaire for a 6am practice. And that's not what a kid wants to do on their Saturday morning. Right. Um, but so, you know, for the majority of kids, it's the parent waking them up early and, Hey, we got to go start to get ready. Here's the water, get to the rink. At least the reward after is usually stop at McDonald's after. So that I know for me, that was like, was in my head. I was like, this sucks, but there's a reward after there's McDonald's breakfast coming. I'm getting a hash brown. So just do this crappy part of practice that's early and cold, but there's some good after. Um, <clears throat> and I think like that would probably be my lesson teaching consistency and teaching them the, the outcome, the positive outcome that comes from being consistent and doing things consistently, mm. whatever that is. If they're, they're not doing sports, like there's always something that you can teach them on like consistently making your bed, consistently cleaning your room, consistently doing something to breed, to breed discipline. And discipline, I think sometimes gets a nasty, it's a, can feel like a nasty word because it's usually discipline is like reverted to as a bad thing. And I think that, you know, you change the mind frame of it's like, this isn't a bad thing that I'm teaching you. I'm teaching you, this is something very strong. And like, you're going to be able to take this for the rest of your life. We're building this foundation of discipline with you of like, when you know there's a task at hand, there's just like, okay, we're getting up at five. We're going to practice. Yes, there's a reward after you get that cookie, you get the cookie for doing the hard thing, but you have to get up to, to get it first. So I think that's what I would try and teach a 12 year old, whether that would be successful. It's probably take a long time. I think it took me, it took me a long time. <laughs> um, and, you know, I can to go further with this. You know, I, I had some teaching of this, um, not just with hockey. So usually in the summer, uh, my family has a cattle farm as a dairy farm in Innisfail. And my brother and I would usually go there for usually a couple of weeks in the summer. Um, I was not a farmer. <laughs> I didn't want to be a farmer. So, you know, there it's 5am every day. You're getting up. There's no day off. There's absolutely zero days off on the farm. And, you know, I would get up usually by like seven, make it out there to finish chores. But I was usually sneaking in to the house earlier. I would find my opportunity, sneak in, and then I'd be first one in line for breakfast. My uncle would just be like, oh, really? you skip out and then you think you're going to eat first and you'd be like, get to the back. Um, I didn't, I just didn't understand it at the time. He, you know, I was usually cleaning uh, calf pens, which to me, that was like the worst thing. It was so hard because like it's manure, basically you're cleaning out this calf pen full of manure to put the fresh hay in. And I would see my uncle and my cousin out in the tractor, you know, harvesting doing their thing and i'd just be so envious and like so angry that i'm doing this hard stuff and they're getting to sit all day 
what was me. But, you know, I look back at that now and that was beginning to lay some foundation and I'm, I'm, I'm happy for it now that I had to do those things because I think it did help me as I got to get going in some endurance stuff and doing things that are pretty tough. Um, I didn't know at the time, but the, the, that stuff kind of laid some foundation for me. So that's what I would try and teach a 12 year old. That's pretty sweet. <laughs> I really like that. I'm going to go with, uh, I think consistency is actually really sweet too. I'm going to go with consistency for the same answer. I'm going to steal your answer, but I got a different context with it. <clears throat> I believe that consistency provides us the evidence to counter our intrusive thoughts. So I like to think of things like a court case where it's between facts and feelings and whoever wins the court case, no evidence wins the court case. And I believe that when we have consistency, that's actually us accumulating information against our intrusive thoughts and feelings. So if there's the intrusive thought of, I don't deserve this or uh, the intrusive thought of I'm not making any progress. The consistency before that point, we can look at and see if the facts line up with how we feel because when, and the cool thing, this is going to be a nerdy thing. This is a nerdy philosophy thing, but we can use the, uh, the Socratic method of debate on ourselves. And that is broken up into the philos, the philosophy, the ethos, the ethics, and the logos, the logic. And if we can talk, like if we're talking and we have two disagreeing POVs, point of views, and you're able to hit those three points, our brains want truth, knowledge, and they want to go with the um, easiest route. So if we can actually show the philosophy, the ethics are well-intentioned and the logic is sound, those are the three components of being able to win a debate. Because outside of that, it's just, it could be someone yelling and it could be anger reacting to logic that's responding. So I think, I think when we're looking back at the at our past uh, activities, then we can actually prove our thoughts wrong. And the thing that I think is really fun, this is where the consistency comes in, is we don't get that stack of papers, that stack of evidence day one. I think each day is a paper. Like, what did I do today? I did this, this, this. And I think like that is also something that's cool is like if someone has a daily journaling practice and they're trying to develop better behaviors and trying to like just better themselves, in whatever way it could be reflecting on what we did that day to see if we actually move the needle forward is really important to be able to stack the facts. You know, it's like when someone, when someone's feeling, Oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not making any progress. Well, look at the past, look at the facts behind us. It's like, you haven't done anything leading up to today. So of course, of course. Right. And I think this is actually something I'm going to do in a YouTube video. Well, this is going to be a YouTube video as well. So if you're, uh, if you're listening to this, be sure to uh, like, subscribe, comment below, favorite takeaway. Be sure to check out Sean. Um, if you're on any podcast app, be sure to leave a five-star review and uh, let me know what you think and who I should talk to. So anyways, shameless plug. So so uh oh i totally lost my train of thought now doing the shameless plug forgot what you're talking about i know right <laughs> oh yeah consistency <laughs> so i think i think uh oh right so for the youtube video uh i'm gonna do um two two life lessons from kratos and god of war ragnarok and you know what i'll actually i'll actually just tell you them now because it's actually kind of cool maybe i'll actually just turn this into the youtube video so two lessons that I learned from uh, Kratos from God of War Ragnarok. Lesson number one, uh, to have godly muscles, or sorry, if you want godly muscles, you have to put in the work. You can have godly strength, but not godly muscles. Those are two different things. And he actually talks about that one where Atreus, the ki his kid, 
is like, when will I look like you? And Kratos is like, what do you mean? He's like, you know, big <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, or strong, big and strong. He's like, you have the strength of a God. And then Trace is like, yeah, I know. But like, what about the muscles? He's like, if you want the muscles of God, you have to work for them. I'm like, oh, fitness advice in a video game right there. Uh, so the second thing, yeah, right. The second thing, and I think this one applies with the consistency significantly more is the Norns. There's the Norns, which are like the sisters of fate in, Greeks, in Greek mythology. And the Norns are the weavers of fate. And what they talk about in the video game, I think is very interesting. What they say is that they're actually not the weavers of fate. They just look at the past behavior of the characters and they're able to predict their future based off of how they behave. Oh. So we're able to tell our future. And I tell my clients this as well. We're able to tell our future by looking at our past. So yeah. if we're able, if we're able to change like certain behaviors to fit like a particular thing, then we just freaking go for it. But I just thought that was cool. Two little lessons from a, from a video game about life. <laughs> God of War. Love it. Yeah, man. I haven't played any of it. I just watched, I just watched the videos while I'm working. It's pretty oh. cool. Nice. <laughs> Sweet okay. Well, my friend, we're going on an hour and a half. I think so far you are the longest podcast. So you have the record for the longest podcast. There's another record you can put under your belt. There you go. Woo. The longest, <laughs> not just the longest distance, but longest duration podcast. Boom. <laughs> and then uh, as always, I sent you the questions before. I know you're pretty stoked about it. Mm-hmm. But uh, every podcast, I do have two questions at the end. So ready? Yep. Question number one, if you're on your deathbed and all of your content was gone, anything like anyone, any lesson that you have, anything that you wrote, uh, this podcast, um, anything, everything is just gone. There's just you on your deathbed after a run. And cause that's where I imagine would be the highest probability situation. <laughs> which is kind of dark, but uh, yeah. So all that content was gone. What message would you like to leave behind? Yeah. Amazing question. Um, You know, I think it kind of goes into like a legacy and, you know, when people think of like, they start to try and conjure that up of like, what legacy don't want to leave? What legacy do want to want people to remember be by can get kind of overwhelming, especially, the vast majority of us are kind of put into, you know, the middle of the pack, which, you know, it's just how it goes. So how do, how does a middle of the pack person leave a legacy? And I think it's the impact that you have on other people around you. So I think, you know, you take away all the physical stuff, all the, the accolades, da, 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 da. It's like, how did you make people feel around you? So try and leave a positive impact on the people that are closest to you. I think if you do that, I think that's like a really important lesson to that a lot of us need to need to have refreshers on. You know, it's even this morning I went to get a couple things at the grocery store. Guy working it was his first day, so obviously things are going slow. So it's just like instead of being agitated that it's taking 30 seconds longer to process all the the payment and all that stuff, it's just like cool. I was like supportive, and then at the end, I was like, hey, I have a really good first day today. Um, do that with as many people as you can throughout your life. And I think that's a good lesson to, to leave or to a good lesson for people to learn. I definitely agree with you. Yeah, yeah. I definitely agree with you. <clears throat> I like the, the saying of um, people will never remember your face or your name, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. Yeah. I think that's really, really important. Uh, then the final question, how would you define living a limitless life? What is a limitless life to you? Uh, it's continually just pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. And when you do that, you'll hopefully find another thing that you didn't know you could, that you had in you. Um, and like I said, that can be physical. Um, so whether it's you're, you want to run your first 5k, you want to complete five pull-ups, you want to work out five days a week. Um, you want to, move to another city, you're moving in with your partner, you know, it's 
all this stuff puts another layer of, of, of mental toughness in you and that will make you feel a little more limitless because um, when you push yourself out of your comfort zone you're going to find out that you're okay things are going to be okay it's only a short amount of time usually that you're in the suck for and the positive effect after it will leave such a greater impact on you so get yourself out of your comfort zone because that's where the juicy stuff is Oh, that is an awesome way to end this podcast, Sean. Thank you very much. Do you want to plug anything? Do you want any people to reach out to you? Any socials? Anything like that? Maybe your Strava app socials? People can follow you <laughs> yeah. for your discussing. Yeah, yeah, what was what was the what was the distance? Uh what was the distance accumulated in Strava again? You said it was eighty one ninety? Eight eight thousand one hundred and nine, apparently. Uh, nice. So. I think yeah, there's probably quite a bit more somewhere out there. Yeah. 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 Before go, the, go for before the tracking. Yeah. Before tracking was too, too big, but uh, you can find me on Instagram. I think it's SDKC. <laughs> I think SDK Karan. There it is. Got to even remember my Instagram page. <laughs> there um, you yeah, go. I want to check it out there. It's usually running or mountains and camping. So that's the majority of my Instagram posts. So you want to see an occasional run get plugged it'll be on there um but yeah just i think the biggest plug is just do something that's out of your comfort zone do something that you don't really want to do i totally agree with you thank you very much for being on this episode dude i appreciate you a ton um and i'm just excited to see what you're going to be doing for in the next chunk of time uh you're you're not someone who is gonna i don't I don't see you exactly uh, sitting still. So I'm really excited to see where this progression, wherever it goes. I'm excited to see where it goes. I just know that you're someone that's a well-intentioned human being that wants the best for others. And I think that yeah. you uh, not only that you embody it to, a, to the fullest extent. Um, and I think that that's something that's very important. And I totally agree that there's more folks that need to have that kind of love in their life and that wellness yeah, uh, yeah. like how you call it love give yourself some love <laughs> yeah of course yeah. all right for any of you that are listening for those of you that are listening any of you i would love for you to subscribe to whatever you're listening to or whatever you're listening to subscribe to it if it's on a podcast app, then be sure to leave a five-star review. I appreciate it a ton. If you didn't like the podcast, be sure to go into those comments and tell me why. I'm cool with taking some uh, criticism, some feedback. I like being wrong. So uh, be sure be sure to do that. Uh, same with YouTube. Subscribe. Be sure to like. Subscribe. If you found any uh, benefit or some takeaways in this episode, be sure to comment it wherever you're listening to. And other than that, I hope you have an amazing day. I hope your day treats you as good as you look. And I always want you to know that you are cared for. People do give a shit about you. You just need to give a shit about yourself a little bit more. So have yourself a wonderful day. <laughs> Thanks, man. And I'll chat with you later. Thank you very much for tuning in today. Before you go, I would like to ask a small, small favor from you, and that would be to subscribe wherever you are listening to this. If it's on YouTube, subscribe on YouTube. If it's on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, click subscribe so you will get more of these podcast episodes. It would mean the world to me. I truly, truly appreciate it. And while you're at it, if you can share this episode with a friend, that would be amazing. Thank you very much, and I'll chat with you later.